so we're so glad, as I said, we're so glad that you guys are here. Listen, I, I thank God for it. I thank God for it. I mean, it's a sacrifice. I understand. You're talking about, you got, I don't know if you guys are having services tonight, but uh, I figure you are. And uh, I know that's three services. I understand. I understand it's tough sometimes, but man, we sure are glad um, that you, uh, and we pray that this service will be a help to you as well. And, and uh, uh, th- from, the, from the singing to the preaching and, and everything, literally, we're here for one reason, one reason alone. That's the, that's the Lord. And that's, that's, the, that's for Him. And that. And uh, we've went through a lot of hills and a lot of valleys. We've seen a lot come, a lot go. But I tell you one thing, we know it's true. God's been faithful through it all. And so we're thankful for that. And we're thankful. Um, but it's preaching time, amen. And I'm glad and I, I am nervous. And I really got a burden on my heart this afternoon um, for what the Lord has for us. And so if you've got your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn with me to the book of James in chapter number 1. Book of James in chapter number 1. I'm reminded every time I turn to the book of James... I, my first thoughts are, because I have notes in my Bible as well, uh, but my first thoughts go to, 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 brother, um, to brother Larry Raines. And, and the reason being is because I know he's had a lot of valleys in his life and stuff, but he preaches through this like it, he knows it left and right. And I thank the Lord for him. And he's been a real blessing around here too. <clears throat> and so James chapter number 1, and I just want to obey the Lord. And I for one... Um, I, I absolutely love the book of James, and uh, it's a complex book, but it's a convicting book. It's a very, very convicting book, <clears throat> and it's a correcting book for the Christian, and it deals with our lives. That's what it is. It's practical Christian living, uh, and, and it's practical. It is, it, it is practical, but you've got to look into it sometimes to understand exactly what it's saying, and, but that's all the Word of God, and, and when you've got the Spirit of God in you, He'll, he'll make you understand. Amen. The Bible tells us very clearly. And so, James chapter number 1, verse 19. The Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, so we know who he's talking to, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the grafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like a new man, beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And if any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, dear God, for your goodness, grace, and your mercy. Lord, I pray, dear God, in the name of Jesus, that you'd please help me to preach. Lord, you know the burden and the message that you've placed upon my heart, Lord, and I, I, I ask you, God, to please help. Lord, we love you and we praise you. If there be any lost, if there be any um, needing God, you this morning, this afternoon, we pray, God, that you'd help in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So when we look in the Word of God, there's one thing that has become different in the last month since we have started this. And that is one thing I'm very sensitive to is that I'm not just preaching to my flock, but I'm preaching to some other man's flock. And so, preacher, I'm very sensitive to that, first of all. Um, But I will tell you the God's honest truth is that this is the Word of God, and it's true. Amen? And we need it. We need the Word of God now more than ever. Wouldn't you agree with that? Um, But but, but this book is a very pointed book. Uh, It it begins there in verse number 1 and verse number 2 where James is telling us that he's speaking to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. And then he tells us, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse diverse temptations. Well, how in the world can I count it all joy when I got all kinds of temptations going on in my life? I I don't have no tires in my car. My brakes are terrible. I ain't got no gas. I ain't got no money in my pocket. How, How can I count all joy? Well, it's got a purpose for it. It's patience, of course. And patience ought to have her perfect work. Uh, um, but when we understand this book, it's a very pointed book because it's dealing directly with Christians. A lot of people deal with uh, chapter 4 and they deal with verse 14. They say, life is but a vapor that appeareth but a moment. 
and then passeth away. And they preach that to the sinner and sure the application can be there. But in context, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about Christian service and it's dealing with your life as a child of God. And we're all thankful to be saved. But as a child of God, it's dealing with you and your service for the king. And what you're going to do for him, as the Stenet Ballou would say, um, do all you can while you can so you don't wish you would have while you could have. And so when we're looking at this book, uh, um, we see all of this. And when it comes to the brass tacks, the passage in which we're going to look at today is uh, leading up from what we've already seen in the beginning of the chapter. No, we're not going through the book of James, but it's leading up to this. uh, And as he's talking to the brethren, and as he exhorts them, and as he tells them, do not err, my brethren. uh, And as he tells them, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. uh, and, And all the things, he's consuming it together. And he's telling you, I've given you the Bible... In verse 18, of his own will beget he us with the word of truth. Uh, So we're supposed to get fruits from that truth. uh, And so we're supposed to win people to the Lord. I'm trying to consume this together to get where we're going. But uh, let me ask you just a quick question since we're relating this up. And I'm saying that to say this as well. Is it does begin in verse 19 with a wherefore. So therefore we need to go back and look where it came from. And so we're looking back and seeing the context of this scripture. And then we're getting into our text. So let me ask you a question just real quick. How, How many in here would be honest with me this afternoon that you probably looked in the mirror this morning? I had to fix my hair, man. I mean, I did. I had to fix my hair and make sure everything was good with that. And I, some looked like they looked in the mirror a little longer than others, and that's okay. But, but, but we would be honest and say that we looked in the mirror this morning at some point in time. And, but, 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 and I appreciate you being honest, but let me ask you another question. Why did you look in the mirror? I mean, was it, was it to fix what the bed did to you? Is that what it was? To fix what the bed did for you. I mean, the bed messed your hair up. The bed bed messed this up. And I'm not getting into your personal life, but it's just something we all know happens on Sunday morning. And so, so, so the next question I would have is that how many in here is thankful to be saved? I mean, I'm thankful to be saved. Well, all... Uh, all that are saved, you know, the, the world and the devil and, and, and many of the other things made a mess of our lives before we ever got saved, right? It made a mess of our lives. And some have more scars than others to show that and so on. But my question is, are you responding now as a Christian to what the mirror is telling you? Now this word's a mirror. It says in verse 18, the word of truth. It says in verse 20, the engrafted word. It says in verse 22, the word. And 23, the word. 25, law of liberty. And so the context there is dealing with the word of God. And then it says in verse 24, for he beholdeth himself and goeth this way and straightway forgetteth what manner it was. So he's beholding his natural face in a glass and then he just leaves it. So... Are we listening to what the mirror is telling us? Oh, we really, I mean, this is the Word of God, and it ought to be here. And I like to take some time and just um, t- uh, preach on the simple thought of taking a look into the mirror of God's Word. Taking a look into the mirror of God's Word. I'd like to take ex- some time to examine these verses this afternoon. Uh, and keep your mind and heart open this afternoon as we get into the Word of God. And I want you to notice a few things with me. This afternoon, I want you to notice number one that there's a shield in this passage that a Christian must put up. There's a shield in this passage that the Christian must put up. Now, verse 19 and 20 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And so as James writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, who, who, we know who he's talking to. We've already addressed that, right? And as we have learned that who he's talking to, and we've also learned, as I've already mentioned, there's a wherefore in this text. And so that, that, to, to, to make it simple, that's, that means because of this. So, so in verse 19, there's a wherefore, and he says, because of what I just said, that's why this is here. 
That's why I'm fixing to say what I'm fixing to say. And so it calls for a decision based on what has already been said. And so just a summary of those verses prior we already kind of did is that if we're going to live a Christian life and we're going to see souls come to Christ and we're going to see that He has gave us the Word of God and we're going to beget fruits through that and all of those things and He's going to give us all the good gifts that cometh down from Him and if we're going to endure we must not err to those things and God is not the author of any of those things that's confusing but rather all the good things and he gives us that summary in those verses I know it's a very span of a summary but if, if we're going to be effectual as Christians then we must deal with a few things in which what James lays out for us here and I believe the first thing that we must deal with, deal with is that there must be a swiftness uh, of a Christian's hearing. Now the Bible says we're to be swift to hear, right? We're to be swift to hear. And so James looks and he tells us very clearly uh, um, that we would be better, uh, um, we better be fast uh, to hear things. We better be fast to hear. Uh, and hearing who? Well, the answer is whoever, by the way. Uh, um, but the fact is, is that most of all, we are to be swift uh, and fast to hear what the Lord has to say in our lives. We're dealing with the Word of the Lord. That's the context of the Scripture. We're looking into the mirror of the Word of God. And so it really deals with a sensitivity to Him. It deals with sensitivity to His Word and His Spirit. And one thing I've quickly learned is that a hearing ear goes much farther than a running mouth. I mean, it really does. But oftentimes I find myself uh, I'm putting my two cents in when witnessing to some folk. Uh, and however, I've learned if I would just hear what they would have to say, uh, I would make much more clear, I would have be much, more, uh, be much better on an answer to them. If I'd hear what they had to say. And let, let, let them talk. Then, then you talk. I mean, this is a well-desired Christian motive. And, and can I just tell you, listen to the Word of God and in, in your life. Listen, your, listen, my opinion and your opinion does not matter when it comes to the Word of God. It don't matter. It don't matter. I don't have opinion in my life. Uh, this is my counsel. This is my leader. Uh, and it is the Word of God. And it's the very words of God. Uh, and it, I'm telling you something. Listen to uh, um, the counsel that God has gotten in your life uh, and the corrective uh, people that God have put in your lives, whether it be pastor uh, or whether it be your parents or, or whoever, maybe your boss or whatever. We are to listen, obey them, which have the rule over you. And it will be far better than in speaking. But I'm telling you, if you'll listen to people who you're trying to win to the Lord, you'll go farther with them than speaking. I've learned that from personal hand. The Bible says to be swift to hear. So we're supposed to be the swiftness of the Christians hearing. And then we see, secondly, not only swift to hear, but slow to speak. We're to be the slowness of the Christians' words. Now when we deal with it, notice James did not um, tell us uh, um, to speak. He did not tell us not to speak. Right? He didn't tell us not to speak. He just said be slow to speak. And, but, but, but you must consider your words or, or, or you'll not control your words. And so I, I've seen more people die and go to hell because they got hurt over what someone said. And something, someone didn't think about what they were going to say to them before they said it. Whether it be inside the house of God or not. I've seen more people leave this house of God because of something that was said. I'm just telling you, it's very easy for preachers like myself to become careless with my words. Uh, but wouldn't you think we'd be more effective at the world in the world uh, if we would carefully and compassionately uh, um, think about what we were going to say before we ever said it? I mean, really, if, if we were swift to hear, uh, we would have no problem being slow to speak. I mean, it's pulpit to the pew preaching this morning. I'm just saying, now, now hear me, the truth hurts sometimes. And we must speak the truth in love, the Bible says that. We must speak the truth. I'm not talking about being quiet when somebody else is speaking some heretical thing to you. That's not what I'm talking about. But nothing, nah, nothing in your life but the truth should be spoken. We must be careful with our tongues. And we're to be slow to speak. We see the slowness of the Christian's word. Then we see the slowness of the Christian's wrath. Where the Bible says, and slow to wrath... 
Now we must notice once again, this does not say not to get angry. Is that right? It never told us not to get angry here. It never said we ought not get angry. It just says be slow to it. Be slow to wrath. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 and verse 26, to be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Uh, neither give place to the devil. Right? So you're telling me that that's an implication that if I am not, if I am using anger in a sight, that I'm giving place to the devil? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, 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 so does, I mean, you, the, these are commands. You understand that, right? They're not options. I mean, it says, be, 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 be ye angry. That's what it says in Ephesians, right, preacher? It says, be angry. So that tells us that it's not wrong to be angry, but it's wrong to be angry in sin. So, 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 I mean, this is just the key. If, if, we, don't, if we don't get angry, we're, we sin for not getting angry. I know it's deep, y'all. I'm just telling you is that it's the opposite of that because when we look at this, I'm not talking about being angry at something, but I'm talking about godly anger. Didn't Jesus get angry? You know, he got so angry he flipped tables. I ain't never done that. I, I, I'm just telling you that it, I know what some of you are thinking. You're, you're, you probably think so, preacher, it's okay to get angry. That's Yes and no. That's the answer. Yes and no, but if every little thing sets you off, you'll not be effective for the Lord. If every little thing in your life is going to set you off in anger, you're not going to be an effective witness. You're just not. You will only be given place to the devil. And when you blow up right in front of somebody you just witnessed to, do you think you're going to win them to the Lord? No, you're not. You're not, friend. I'm telling you, you're not going to win them to the Lord if you blow up. And, and I'm just telling you, all of that it is, and the devil has done and got his inch at that point of time. And then the Bible says, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. If our, if our anger is God's anger, it, it'll work righteousness. I'm seriously. I mean, not, not bad drivers, right? That, that doesn't work righteousness. Not bad drivers, not, not, not bad food, not a slow waiter, not, not a husband won't listen or kids won't listen or wife won't listen. But, but if it makes God angry, it ought to make you angry. And I believe there's a lot of stuff going on in this wicked world today that's making God angry. And, and I'm telling you, these are, these are shields uh, in our life that we must put up to be slow to speak. Uh, and to be, uh, be, be, we must come to, they're swift to hear and slow to speak and, and slow to wrath. And they, we ought to put them up if we're going to be effective for Christ. Shields that each Christian must put up. Then we see, secondly, the sanctification each Christian must protect. And the Bible says in verse 21, Wherefore lay apart all filth and his superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. And so because of verse 19 and 20, there's another wherefore. So because of verse 19 and 20, you should set some standards uh, in your life as a Christian. Uh, you got saved all the way when you got saved, whenever that day was. Mine was May 5th, 2012. Uh, but whenever you got saved, you got saved as much saved as you were ever going to be saved. But you didn't get sanctified all the way. You didn't get all the way sanctified. You didn't get all the way set apart. You didn't do that. You didn't get all the way separated, if you will. And, and so you, there's a few things you must do in your life. Now notice what you must do. You must first stand uh, to remove the excess worldliness. The excess worldliness in your life, the Bible says, wherefore lay apart all filthiness uh, and superfluity of naughtiness. Uh, and so James is talking to believers still. We still believe that, right? And so you saying we have filthiness as a child of God and naughtiness? Yes. And no, the Word of God's saying that. The Word of God is saying that this afternoon and simply put, when I got saved, my flesh didn't. And I'm sure we all fight with the battles of the flesh in this day. I'm sure we all do and save people still deal with the flesh. From anger to lust and on and on. Sin is still in your life and my life. 
It's still in our lives. And that phrase lay apart deals there uh, uh, with a putting away, a stripping off, uh, a stripping from oneself. Uh, and that phrase filthiness deals primarily uh, um, with uh, uh, filth, that which is dirty, uh, defiled, and dishonoring. Uh, and then the word, uh, um, that phrase there, superfluity of naughtiness, which is in the Scripture, only used one time. Uh, it deals with the overflowing of sin and wickedness. A child of God can still sin. Whether what some of them think or not, they can. Don't you? I do. I'm ashamed of it, but I do. I'm ashamed of it most of all because Jesus already died for that sin. But that which could have came with you when you got saved. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be I'm trying to think. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Now, this is where a lot of preachers mess up. All things passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You say, now, preacher, what do you mean they mess up? Well, I believe people mess up in general. Because a lot of people believe that immediately as a child of God, it's just going to change. Is that true? Let me tell you what verse 18 says. It says, and all things are of God. It simply tells us very clearly that all things are of God. Therefore, when I didn't have God to get over that other stuff, now I do. He's going to help me get through it. And so when we look at this life and we see this and deal with our sanctification, meaning to be set apart, it's a lifelong experience after salvation. And remember, we're speaking of that here, and it's an ongoing process. And some people use the excuse, well, I've always been that way. Ever heard that? I've always had that anger. I got it from my mama. Got it from my daddy. I've always done this because my mama or my daddy does it. Can I just tell you that that gives no excuse at all. It gives no excuse. The word of the Lord tells us to lay it apart. um, To strip it off. um, To to, to just go away. Put it away. And I'm telling you friend is that we are to part ways with this. But how do I do this preacher? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because not only firstly must we deal with that stand up to remove uh, the excess worldliness in our life, uh, but the Bible tells us here uh, that we are to stand up to receive the engrafted Word. So we're dealing with the Word of God this afternoon. And so that's what it is. It says, And receive with meekness the engrafted Word which is able to save your soul. And so the Word of God is this. That's the engrafted Word. You're saved and praise the Lord. And now get into the Word and let the Word of God get into you. And so now firstly, we must see this. It tells us to meekness, with meekness. Meekness is literally the quality of being overly submissive. That's literally what meekness deals with. And so what are we to submit to? The Word of God. Just break it down the verses. This is how I preach. I'm just telling you, not, not just any word. Not just the word. Uh, not just my word, but the engrafted word. That's what the Bible says. Uh, has anyone ever engrafted any trees in here? Praise the Lord, I haven't either. I know you probably thought I was going to say, well, I have. But I haven't. I, I've never done that. I've never, I've never had to engraft any trees, plants. Any, I've never seen skin grafts happen. I've never seen any of that stuff happen. But I, I was studying this just a little bit, and certainly it is an interesting concept uh, um, because when we look at that, there, there's a process that goes on with it. And the process is this. The outer flesh uh, of the tree, if you will, uh, or, or a little bit more than the bark, uh, if you will, of the tree will be wounded and it will be cut open partially. Uh, and another branch from another tree uh, will then be cut off uh, and placed placed into the open wound of that tree uh, and it is then bound up and they're allowed to grow together. Is that right? Anybody sound right on that? And when you read and study this Bible, friend, when you read and study the Word of God uh, and hear preaching from the Word of God, uh, if you will submit to it completely uh, and you know what it does, it will wound you. It will. It will wound your life. It will wound who you used to be. And guess what? It's going to hurt you sometimes. But it will take 
something from you that used to be in you. And when it does, it puts something else in there to replace it. Amazing. It's amazing. And it will set you apart to Christ uh, and like Christ. That's sanctification. uh, And you will grow fruit uh, that you would have never grown without the Word of God. It's a two-edged sword. It's a two-edged sword. And James gives us uh, the last part of this verse where he says, which is able to save your souls. Uh, And James gives us that last part uh, as a commentary. Uh, It was able uh, to save you, but since it was, uh, it is also able to sanctify you. Uh, It will remove the bad, replace it with good, if you will receive it. If you'll receive it. This Word of God has, it has a whole ability in it to make you new. But you've got to receive it. Faith cometh what? Hearing. Hearing by what? The Word of God. It comes by the Word of God. You'll never get saved without the Word of God. You'll never get sanctified without it either. Yet some people think they can. I've seen Christians who got saved that never opened their Bible at home. Shame on you. I say that. I say that with a loving heart, but shame on you. Shame on you. I'm just telling you something, friend, is that in your life, the sanctification, each Christian, we must protect it in this life. We're not trying to be more like the world. Mount Valley, we're not trying to be more like the world. We're trying to be more like Christ. Trying to be more like Him. Every day we're trying to be more like Him. There's a sanctification that each Christian must protect in their life. Thirdly, there's a, there's a service that each Christian must portray, must portray. And it goes through these, verse 22 through 25. I'll read them in a moment. But in these verses, James gives us the idea of the look of the, of, of the title of the text. And it gives us the idea of the Word of God being about a mirror that it is. And so, as I stated in the intro kindly, but, but you look into them, you look into mirrors, you see what needs fixing, and you fix it. Right? That's how it works. And so let's see what these verses have to say. Notice verse 22. The Bible says, But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So there's a response to the word as a mirror that you've got to do as a Christian. There's a response. Now this blessed word of God will never lead you astray. Amen. It will never lead you out, out, out in the open. It will never lead you astray. And if you, it, it, it will never deceive you in any way. But can I tell you something? You will deceive you. You'll deceive you. You will deceive you. And one of the biggest problems we have uh, is hearing the Word of God uh, and not going any further than that. Not going any further. I mean, I talk to the Mountain Valley. It's not going any further. Just hearing it, that's it. I'm telling you something, friend. If that's all you do is hear it, you've deceived your own self. You've deceived your own self. The Bible tells us that, right? I mean, be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. So if you're here only, then you're deceiving your own self. You said, preach, that don't make no sense. Well, uh, let's see if we can make it a little sense. I've been in the construction world for quite some time. been in the construction world for a little while since I was younger. <clears throat> and I don't know a lot. But however, there are those who claim to know a lot because their dad knew a lot. Right? Their dad knew a lot and, and, or something along those lines and they, they can tell you a whole lot and do everything but they can't do much of anything at all. They know a whole lot but they can't do it. You with me? There's a lot of people that go to gyms. I don't go to gyms if you can't tell. There's a lot of people that go to gyms and you'll find some scrawny little fella about 100 pounds soaking wet Walk around like this. You ask him, what'd you do to get that way? Well, <laughs> oh, Lord, help me. I'm just telling you, there's these things. He can tell you everything you need to take, all the supplements you need to do, all the meals you need to eat, all the weights you need to lift, how you need to lift the weights to gain muscle. Yeah, he has none at all. He's deceived his own self. I, I, I'm just telling you something. You can watch all the... I like to play golf. Anybody else like to play golf? Play golf, praise the Lord. I guess y'all just more spiritual than I am. I like to play golf. But but you can watch a lot of videos on how to play golf. 
You can watch a lot of videos on how you can, you can have all the right clubs, and nicest clothes, and nicest shoes, nicest golf balls. You can tell everybody how they're supposed to stand uh, and what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to swing it. Every time you hit the ball, you butcher it in the woods. You watch a lot of videos, but you're deceiving your own self because you really don't know that much about golf. And so if you do not move the scripture from your hands to, to, from your head to your hands and feet, you're deceiving yourself. You're deceiving your own self. We must respond to it, friend. We must respond uh, to the word as a mirror. We must secondly not only respond to it, but then have a, we must have a recognition in the word as a mirror. Now the Bible says in verse 23, for, for if any man be a hearer of any uh, be a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face to a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Uh, and so if we're looking at that, it, it, if you don't take the time to recognize what the word of God uh, is saying to you, you'll forget it and move on without it. The, the mirror, the word, uh, and just like any other is designed to help you make changes in your life. I mean, from the pulpit to the pew, if you look into the mirror of God's Word uh, and recognize your wrongs and walk away unwilling to, to change those wrongs, you're wrong for that. I mean, I mean a casual, unconcerned uh, um, glance uh, will not leave lasting effects in your life. You benefit when you take a lasting glance into the mirror at yourself. This Word is a mirror. If you'll take some time and read it, and glance, not, just, not just glance, Read it. Get into it. Study it. I promise you to change your life. I promise you to change your life. We must be a recognition as a, uh, when we look in the Word as a mirror. Now, and then, there's a, then there's rewards that are mentioned from the Word as a mirror. Now the Bible says in verse 20, uh, 25, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgiver hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Uh, a law of liberty. What? Law of, anybody hearing that? Law of liberty? That don't even make sense. I don't, they don't go together in some people's eyes. However, I believe they go perfectly together, according to the word. I believe we go perfectly This is speaking of the word of God, the law of liberty. Is speaking of the, and can I just tell you something real quick? A lot of people look at them words, law and liberty, and they look at it like this, and they say, man, you can't have liberty if you've got law. Can I tell you something this afternoon? You'll never have liberty without the law. You'll never have liberty in your life without the law. I mean, can I give you a few examples this afternoon? I mean, if there is no law against a drunk driver driving on the road, do they actually have liberty? Do they actually have liberty? If there is no law against women, if there is no law against men raping you, not being ugly, but if there is no law against that, do they have liberty? No. The answer is no, absolutely not. If there is no law against robbing a bank, do that, does that person who's robbing the bank actually have any liberty at all? No, because the answer is absolutely no. In order to have liberty, you must first have law in your life. And so you don't need liberty to eat a sucker in the middle of Walmart. You know why? Nothing against it in the law. Hope that's making sense. But if that same sucker hadn't been paid for yet, there's a law against that. And you don't have liberty to eat it. I'm just saying, I believe that is exactly what James is saying here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You, we, we are bound to obey what God has told us to do uh, in His Word. And the more we submit to its law, the freer we'll ever be. We'll be free if we'll submit to the law in this Word. And I'm telling you, if you will bind yourself to obey the words uh, of this perfect law of liberty, uh, you will reap rewards in your life. What a wonderful feeling of liberty. Free indeed, right? I'm thankful for that and free from the guilt because why? The Bible tells me I am. I'm free from the guilt of my sin. 
Praise the Lord. I, I mean, I'm free from condemnation because Romans 5 1 tells me I am. Or 8 1 tells me I am. Right? And so if I'm free from drug addictions and, and hangovers and, and all of those things that the old world would give me. Why? Because the Bible made me so. Amen, friend. Why, I submit. Why, why? Why is that true? Because I have submitted to the perfect law of and it gives me liberty. It gives me liberty. The shield, the standard, the service. Fourth, I want you to notice it's 355. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to wind down the opposite way. I want you to notice there's the situation that each Christian must prevent. If any man among you seem to be religious, verse 26, and browleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. So here James goes into something that is practical yet seems so vast when it comes to understanding of it. So most people would be, would I could probably ask you but I'm not going to, but if we were to ask around a question about what is religion more people in here would probably, you might be smart than I am, but one thing that I've thought is that, you know, religion is just, you know, Baptist, right? Baptist or Catholic or... <laughs> so, this is te- so, this is telling me that if any man among you seem to be a Baptist, and rather not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's Baptist is vain? No. It's not what it's saying. It's not what it's talking about at all. That, that, that's most likely the view of a lot of people. But one who is religious is typically viewed as basically one who holds to the laws of a specific, uh, 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 specific uh, congregation or, or specific standards in a life or whatever it may be, church. Uh, and to be honest, I don't believe that is at all what James is saying here. Because when I look at this, I do believe this religious is speaking along the realm of outward action, whether deeds or acts or service, that are a result of what has taken place on the inside of a person. So basically, what is taking place on the inside is now coming on the outside of you. You know, you'll hear preachers say sometimes when they go to shouting and they feel real good and everything goes big, and I'm thankful for those times. Amen. Aren't you glad for services like that? But, but man, I feel real religious in here, and I believe that's a true statement. I believe it's a true statement, but you can hold, hold to the form of doctrine that a church holds to uh, and still die and go to hell. So that's not what this is talking about. I mean, however, you cannot hold to relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, you cannot hold uh, a re- you cannot hold a relationship with Jesus Christ and die and go to hell. Hope that made sense. A pure religion serves is what pure religion does. Amen. Pure religion serves, and we must stand to prevent a vain religion from creeping into our lives. That's what we must do. And so notice a few things. I want you to notice an implication that's given in this verse. Now it says, if any man among you seem, seem to be religious. Is that right? So an expression is in this verse that is pointed. It says that somebody is seeming to be religious. Now it is very possible according to this verse for someone to not really be religious yet seem that way. Now remember, religion, what we're dealing with here is that which is an expression of what happened on the inside of you that is taking place on the outside now. Basically, you're showing everyone you're a Christian. It is a work. And I tell you, you I tell you, beloved, I, I certainly don't want to fall in this trap and to seem to be something that I'm not at all. It doesn't mean a person is not saved, it just means that they're they think they're religious. They think that they're showing a whole lot of Christianity. They think that they're doing this. They think that their service is good for the Lord. They think that one time a week's good. They think uh, that this is good, but they've never witnessed anybody. And they think that they're good Christians to God. They think that they are, and they think the relationship is right, but really it's vain. Uh, And they have deceived their own self. 
and you're thinking now, listen, human, guess what humans come with? Pride. We deal with pride. We all carry around some sense of pride in our life that we think we're the best preachers. We think this and that. Lord, help me. I, I, if I'm the best preacher, everybody else is terrible. Just tell you, I'm thankful for the Word of God, and it's the Word of God that's strong and true. But I'm telling you something here is that we must be careful thinking too highly of ourselves because it's what He has done in us. And when we look at this, there's that implication that there is there are those who seem to be religious, and then there's an indication that's given in this verse. And the verse goes on, and it says, Seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. This man, religious religion is vain. So what's the indication there of one who seems to be? What could be an indication on the outward? The one who does not bridle their tongue. Mm. It's Bible. So the indication their standing can be seen in their tongue. This is the most troublesome part of a person's body. The Bible says in Matthew, in verse chapter 15, verse 18, that but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. So, 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 so the tongue's problem is the heart problem. Right? I mean, uh, and this tongue controlling issue does not just deal with cussing, uh, but it deals with backbiting and gossiping and slandering, etc., etc., James uses a bridle to describe the best way for it. And from a bridle, of course, a, a bridle is that which goes typically into a horse's mouth, right? That's what a bridle is. And guess what you can do with that bridle? You can control it. You can lead it. You can guide the horse if it has a bridle in its mouth. And can I be honest? Sometimes we need to learn to put bits in our mouth. We need to learn to put bridles in our mouth. There are those who if they are around you, they speak nice of you. But if they are not around you, they never have anything good to say about you. That's not one. That is one whose religion is vain. That is one whose religion, and Lord help us not to fall into that trap. Listen, there was no guile found in the mouth of our Lord Jesus. And Lord help us to not let any guile be found in our mouths. Amen. Thomas Fuller, an old um, slave man, he, he, this is what he said. He said, learn to hold thy tongue because five words cause Zacharias 40 weeks of silence. And I'm just telling you the, the, the truth. Lord, help us to be sincere all the time to make an impact for the cause of Christ uh, and not to ruin it with our own tongues. Amen. I've learned to discipline myself to not say I am done because I might preach a few more minutes. But I'm beginning to finish. And so I want you to notice number five, I'm done. I am beginning to be done. The verse 27 says, Pure religion, undefiled before God, and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself spotted, unspotted from the world. So not only is this a shield that every Christian must put up, not only is there's a standard each Christian must possess and the service that each Christian must portray and the situation each Christian must prevent in their lives, but there's the Savior that each Christian must please. And the Bible says, pure religion, undefiled, before God and the Father is this. I thought God and the Father were the same people. They are. But it puts in a whole consummation of the fact that there is somebody that you and I, as a Christian, needs to please in this life. You say, I don't have to please you. No, you don't. You don't have to please me. But you better please God. And so in contrast of what the last verse had to say, we now have a picture given to us of what real, genuine, true religion is. So the last verse told us about what vain religion is. This verse tells us what true religion is. I want you to notice there's a who to this pure religion. 
So it's God who sets a standard in action in our life, right? He's the one who made it. He's the one who does it in our life. From the word of God as our mirror, we are to listen to this word. He set the standards. Your standards ought to never go down. As a Christian, it ought to never go down. But just get on top of Christ, and I promise you, you'll be able to reach a goal. He'll lead you. You know, Jesus would have never been able to crucify his own self to the the cross. He never could. He was a flesh man just like we was, right? He was. But he might, he, you might be really good. You might be really good and really flexible. You might be able to get both your feet nailed to a cross, and you might be able to get your left hand nailed to a cross, but you'll never get the other one nailed. It's going to take somebody else. And it's going to take Jesus in your life to make you who he wants you to be. Jesus displayed the nine fruits of the Spirit on the cross of Calvary. He displayed all nine of them there. I can't quote them all in person. There's joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness. And we could go on and on. There's four more, and I missed them all. Peace. But I'm telling you, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Right? I mean, it's the goodness of God leads to goodness. It's the goodness of God leads to repentance. He said, Father, into thine hands I commend my spirit. That's faith. Right? He said, don't you know I could have called 12,000 legions of angels down? That's what is that? Meekness, that's overly submissive to what his will was, what God's will was. I'm just telling you something. You'll never put yourself on the cross. And it's going to take God. If you're going, Paul said, I die daily. And if you're going to die daily and you're going to live for Christ every single day, you are going to have to let him lead your life. You're going to have to let him lead your life. So the who uh, of pure religion, he is the one who says what we do uh, or what we don't do uh, in having pure religion. However, he stated it is his word here. Pure religion, undefiled. And that's what it is. We've seen that. He sets a standard and that's just what it is. No change. The who. The who of pure religion. And um, then there's the what of pure religion. There must be a what if there's who most of the time. So we see here very clearly to... What we're, what, what, what we're supposed to do? What is pure religion? And when this is laid out under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this is not a multiple choice thing. It's not a pick one. It's not a fill the dotted line of which one you want to do. No, God has set the standard of pure religion. And that's just what it is. There's two components to it. And take one away, you subtract from His Word. Add one, you add to His Word. Because there's two things. And it tells us, we are to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So those two components are service and sanctification. So there's the service to it. This is what God showed us in his life. The Bible says to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. This is what God showed us when he sent his only begotten son to care for who? Us. To love us. And it's putting others before yourself is what it is. It's putting somebody else before you. What you want to do, it's putting somebody else before that. Don't you realize there's people dying going to hell today? It's putting somebody else first. That's not all that goes with it, though, because then there's the sanctification. Because it says, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Now, this is big. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Could you come play, please, Andrew? If you have one, but not the other. You do not have pure religion. If you have one, but not the other, you don't have pure religion. For instance, if a person visits the fatherless and widows in the nursing home and all that and then goes and drinks and cusses and lives a terrible life, they do not have pure religion. Right? Then there's the flip side of it. Right? So there's the flip side. There's those, likewise, if you do, uh, if there's that person who does not drink, they do not cuss, they do not fornicate, they do not do any of those things, yet they never go and visit the fatherless and the widows uh, and never do anything. They don't have pure religion. I'm thankful. Oh, one week ago, or two weeks ago from Thursday, uh, we, we, had a, we had a 70-plus-year-old man in the nursing home get born again. Praise the Lord. It's all God for that. But I'm telling you something is that it took six years to do that and it was the faithfulness of God. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for that. But I'm telling you something this afternoon. It works hand and hand. 
And that's why it's the duty of the child of God to look into the Word of God as a mirror. And examine the wrongs that are in your life in this Word. This Word is true. I read a story of a man by the name of... Uh, um, his last name was Wentworth. I can't remember. But... And this man tells that story and he, and he, was, a, he was a skeptic. He was all those things for all those years. And in his 60s, he finally decided to take the Word of God and to read it. He said he was going to read it for a month. He was going to summary it. Second month, third month. He was going to read it through in those times. So the first month he read it, he walked up to his wife and he said, Wife, if this book is right, then we're wrong. And she said, Wow. Second month he went through his wife after he read it for a whole nother month. And he said, wife, if this book is right, we are lost. Third month he went to his wife. And he said, wife, if this book is right, we can all be saved. And I'm telling you, God's honest truth this afternoon is that this book is right. We're all wrong. We're all lost. But thank God we can all be saved. And I'm telling you the truth this afternoon is that religion will never produce redemption. But salvation in the Lord creates a pure biblical religion. And the Word will make you want to serve Him more uh, and be sanctified uh, from sin unto God. Uh, and it help, it works together. Do you need to come around the altar and ask the Lord to make you be a better Christian? Maybe you don't. Maybe you're better off than I do. But man, I tell you right now, this, verse, this, this convicted me. It dealt with my life. Genuinely dealt with my life. And we have taken a look, very clearly, the mirror of the Word of God. I'd like to ask you this question. I'm done. We looked at it. What did you see? What did you see when you looked into the mirror of the Word? Did you see the best Christian you could be? Did you see the person that's just living for God all that we can do, and doing all that we can Last night and all this week when I've been looking into this, I didn't see that person. I seen somebody who needed God more than I ever have. I seen somebody who needed to get a whole lot closer to God than I ever have. I seen that person. A relationship will produce this pure religion with Christ. If you'll submit yourself to this word. Could you stand to your feet this morning? Listen, you obey as he's playing. If you need to come around the altar, pray where you are, whatever it may be, you just obey the Lord. Dear God in heaven, we love you. Lord, please help me to be better. Help me to be more like you every day. God, I need you. God, I genuinely need you. Lord, I can't live this life without you. Lord, I need your leadership in my house. Lord, in my home and my family. I need your leadership in this church, Lord. I need your leadership every day. Lord, it's a daily walk for you.